This podcast is brought to you by Fabea and Social Economy Europe. Welcome to episode three of this podcast mini-series, Finance for Good, brought to you by Fabea and Social Economy Europe. In this episode, we build upon the previous two episodes in which we introduce the opportunities that citizens have to save their money in ethical banks, where they can be sure that their money will be used in truly green and social investments that really make this world a more sustainable place. We learned through several examples of projects how citizens can put their savings in ethical finance institutions and the kinds of projects their money will be invested in. Importantly, in episode two, we heard about how ethical banks and financiers are able to monitor the projects they invest in to be certain that these projects are doing no harm. Now this leads us to the topic of today's podcast. How can citizens participate in this process? So how can citizens who save their money in ethical finance institutions have a say in the decisions that are made? Now this comes down to the governance of ethical banks and financiers, where transparency is key and where, unlike traditional banks, motivation is not based on profit making since salaries are limited and citizens who do invest get to participate in the many stages of decision making. Moreover, we will hear today about how impact is measured in certain ethical finance institutions. Measuring social and environmental impact is a tricky task, which should be given as much weight in measuring the success of projects as financial return of investment. In traditional banks, this is not the case, and policymakers are new to the idea of valuing social impact with the same importance as economic impact. It's therefore a challenge to spread the word of the amazing work that these ethical banks and financiers do, which is the purpose of this podcast. So, we're joined today by Rico Travella from Alternative Bank Schweiz or Alternative Bank Switzerland, Peter Callens from Hefboom, and we hear again from Peru Sassia, the president of Fabea, which is the European Federation of Ethical and Alternative Banks and Financiers. So first we turn to Rico and then to Piet to introduce themselves and what their organization do. So the Alternative Bank Switzerland is um, a value-based bank actually the first one in, in Switzerland, founded 30 years ago. The aim is to promote the real economy. So we're not focusing on the financial system. We, we want to promote the real economy. And our basic pillars are socially, ecologically projects. And we have a clear focus on transparency. For example, we make visible all the credits, all the loans we give. We have transparent salaries internally, but also to the public. We, we publish not only the salaries of, of our management board or of our board of directors. We also publish it from each and every member. The bank was founded in a time where we had a lot of money coming into Switzerland from dictators or from countries who don't have a, a democratical system. So their leaders transferred a lot of money into Switzerland and there was a big discussion on, on how how banks handle these, this money. So the idea was to have a value-based bank with clear values on transparency and on what happens with the money. Let's say a responsible use of money in order not just to make the rich people richer, but to have an ecologically and socially impact on the real economy. 
Okay, so my name is Pete Callens. I am the head of the finance department at uh, Hefboom. And Hefboom is a cooperative uh, who is active for more than 35 years. And our main objective is to inspire, facilitate, and co-create social impact organizations and companies. So we do that uh, by strengthening social and durable uh, entrepreneurship. What are we doing? We have three uh, business units. The first one and the main activity is uh, impact finance. To give you an idea, we have a portfolio of about 25 million euro on active uh, financing dossiers, so uh, credits, but also capital participations, uh, etc. Then we have a second business unit. It's a consultancy we offer to social impact organizations and companies in four domains. So the first domain is financial and business uh, consultancy. The second domain is on policy planning and strategy. Then we also help to we help organizations or companies to to improve their organization to innovate the organization how they could work together etc and then the final domain is transition and social impact so this is our consultancy division and then the third one we also service bigger impact cooperatives, mainly active in energy uh, transition. This is because ourselves, we are a big cooperative. We have 1,200 shareholders. So we had to develop systems and uh, software tools to communicate with all those shareholders. Once we had developed that, we uh, also developed a business uh, around this, uh, these uh, services and how you can communicate with cooperative shareholders. So it seems that ethical finance organizations are in it for the environmental and social impact as a way to make our world more sustainable. So how do we demonstrate this impact? How can these organizations measure the effects that they are having? It's not that straightforward, but it is important to be able to demonstrate the positive effects that you are having, both to attract new clients and investors from the public and businesses, but also to inform and impress policymakers who can create policies that will maximize the reach of these finance organizations. We hear first from Peru Sassia on how impact can be measured. This is a very good question, how, how to measure impacts. I have written quite uh, some texts about ethics and metrics. How do you measure ethics, you know, which is some people can imagine that this is impossible. I have to say that it's not easy, but it can be done. You can measure salary levels between men and women. You can measure the number of women in boards, and this is a number. You can measure employment that you have created through the projects you support financially. So we assess impact using this kind of element. I admit that 100% of the impacts are not measured. Some some of them, you have the intuition and we, we keep on working. You know, it's, it's quite unfair, but it's, it's acknowledged as one of our weaknesses. We say that we are very good in social impacting. And if you go to policymakers, et cetera, saying, hey, listen, take care of me because I am very important. I am really good in social impact, uh, we, we cannot see that very clearly, you know, because uh, uh, I understand the different numbers in an economic balance. Uh, all these numbers are very good. The financial information is very well established, etc. But what about the social impact? Where are the numbers? Uh, that is why when you talk about environmental impact, 
you feel very happy with climate change and you are happier even with CO2 footprint because it's a number and everybody understands that. No attention to immigrants that have to move, refugees that have to move because of the CO2 footprint because the number is CO2 footprint. But the social impact, which is dramatic many times, is not easily measured. We are preparing, and some of our members, I have to say, for example, Banca Etica, I am vice president of Banca Etica, and uh, uh, our social balance is full of numbers about social impact. And attention, there are some numbers that are not real outcomes, the ends obtained, but are very strong means that are also measured, for example, in terms of cultural activity, political incidents, uh, capacity of uh, generate very dynamic energy in our surrounding society, in our territories with young people, with municipalities, with, with, with different elements. And this is a, certainly is a mean, it's not an end, it's not a final outcome, but it's a very strong mean. And then we can demonstrate that a high percentage of our energy, being banks, don't forget about that, uh, goes to cultural activity, trying to transform the ethos, the cultural, you know, background where economy is developed. So, um, so another question is that if you offer these numbers to policymakers, probably they are not impressed because it is not their culture. Given this fact, Peru continued by explaining his surprise and delight that Nicola Schmidt, Commissioner for Jobs and Social Rights, at the Fabea 20th anniversary, set Fabea three challenges. The third of which was the reason for the creation of this podcast, where the challenge was issued to Fabea to please advocate by telling their story to advocate in favor of a new culture in European citizenship with regard to responsible finance. My third point is about the traditional role of Fabea advocating for ethical finance and putting forward success stories, promoting good practice in reporting requirements remains, and this remains essential for strengthening ethical finance avenues in Europe. Participatory events, both for ethical finance practitioners and would-be investors and customers are important to consolidate a critical mass. Next, we hear from Rico, on Alternative Bank Switzerland's approach to measuring impact. Yes, impact measuring is, uh, as you say, kind of difficult thing. So we try to do that on several levels. On an ecological level, we are the first bank in Switzerland who measures the CO2 footprint. And for us, it's, um, it's part of our sustainability report. In there, we measure also our impact in the real economy. We use the, the scorecard of the GABV, of the uh, Global Alliance for Banking on Values. They have a scorecard which is really ample. We make transparent what is our impact in the, in the real economy, what is our, our social impact as well. There are some criteria we use and we publish that every year. It's not mandatory for the members of the GABV, but we do it. Since we do it, we are always in the category role model. We reach the highest level. Though we see 
from our business model, it's, uh, it's demanding to meet the all over criteria of sustainability. And now we hear again from Piet Callens of Hefboom. So how are we convinced that what we do generates social impact? Uh, for us, it's uh, within our target group. Uh, uh, as an ethical, social and durable financial institution, our target group is impact, social impact organizations and companies. So they directly generate a social impact. Uh, we know that because we give uh, credits and, and we finance social employment organizations or organizations active in health and welfare, social and inclusive housing, uh, equal opportunities, poverty reduction, ecology and innovation, energy like we talked about, but also agriculture, environment, circular economy, etc. Arts and culture, education. So we are a bit um, depending on what they realize on social impact. But since our targets groups are very sharp and very and well defined, we are quite sure uh, that we, we can generate indirectly, of course, uh, social impact. And then, although we are quite sure that they generate uh, this social impact, today, unfortunately, we are not in a position to force them to measure and prove it. Eh? And that's, in fact, due to the abundant supply of cheap money. So we are today we are in a very um, competitive market. So for us, it's, it's not that simple to prove our indirect social impact. The reason for that is that there is a lot of cheap money. So if we, if we, for example, we are not in a position to impose to a client, okay, we will only grant you a credit once you can show us what is your social impact. Especially in Belgium, it's a very competitive market. So that's very hard for us to do that. Yeah? Uh, once, for example, the access to finance should become more scarce in the, in, in, in future, that could be something else. Or once ethical financial institutions can grant cheaper funding, uh, then, then, for example, commercial banks, then we can we have more power to lever this social impact. So for us, that's kind of a challenge. Piet continued by explaining what Hefboom do to measure their own social impact. As an organization, we do measure our own social impact. Uh, and at Hefboom, we use for that the, the common good matrix. So the economy of the common good. And it focuses on four domains. So the first one is uh, human dignity. The second one is transparency and co-determination. Third one is solidarity and social uh, justice and ecology and durability. So this is a model we use internally at Hefboom to measure how we how we are doing on those several uh, parts. So now we move on to the primary focus of this episode, which is how you or I as citizens can participate in the decision making of the banks. How are decisions made? How is the power dynamic? Can decisions be taken over by one or just a few interested parties? Or is the process democratic, transparent and fair? How are projects decided upon? And can you have a say in this? In traditional banks, not only do you have no power over where your money is invested, in many cases you cannot even find out where your money goes. Many times it's to large fossil fuel industries, weapons manufacturers or projects that treat people in an undignified manner or restricting their basic human rights. But we have an alternative for where we can put our savings and where we can be part of the decision-making process. Transparency is key, 
as our governance structures. So we returned to Peru Sassia to find out more. There are another element which is relevant, which is transparency. Uh, we, we First thing we have to say is that transparency is not a good itself. Uh, you are transparent, but with, when you are showing your things through transparency, maybe the things are really bad or evil. You try not to do that, you know, if you are intelligent, but uh, in mainstream banking, when you are forced to transparently uh, communicate the salaries or the compensation schemes of your high directives, well, you are transparent, forcedly transparent, but does not mean that you are good. Transparency is is an enabler of a very interesting dynamics, which is accountability, a kind of relation with the rest of the society where you show yourself and people can see you, people can interact you, people can incide on you. You can gain legitimacy, you can improve reputation or the other way around. So uh, this kind of interaction where you don't hide a big percentage of the activity of your, which is normal way of acting of the companies, especially now, when if you go to a, you know, a main contractor, a big engineering company, an energy company or a bank, you see the publicity, how they advertise themselves and you only see green things, you know, very social elements but the 95% of the activity of the bank is not, is not there, you know, it's in, in coal, in bombs, in, you know. Uh, so uh, this, is, this is a must in ethical finances. Is transparency as an enabler of accountability and a way of forcing ourselves to be coherent with this compromise? Rico explains how transparent and limited salaries can be used and the general governance of Alternative Bank Switzerland. We have a, a, a completely different salary system as well. We don't have gratifications, bonifications for, for, uh, for our employees. We, we have a much lower wages than every other bank in Switzerland, I guess. And that's an important thing for us. The incentive is not just to make as much money as you can. The incentive is to make mo as much impact as we can. So the ABS is a shareholder bank. That means we have 8,700 shareholders at the time. Compared to 42,000 customers, this is quite a huge quote. So most of the shareholders are also customers. So the shareholders have the possibility to participate at the annual general meeting, but they, in fact, they are the, the governing or they can influence the most important decisions of the bank. There is no shareholder who has more than 3%, holds 3% of the, of the company. By limiting the maximum shares, for example, to 3%, they limit the decision-making power that one member can have. Piet continues with the governance structure of Hefboom. We have uh, 1,200 shareholders approximately. They are coming together in a general assembly. I don't know if this exists in other countries, but in Belgium, there is something that is called a recognized cooperative. And a recognized cooperative is a cooperative that works with the ICA principles. These are principles 
also on social impacts, on ethical, on different elements and domains. You have to comply uh, with them. So the ICA principles, like we call it. So we are uh, a recognized cooperative. And one of the consequences of, of being a recognized uh, cooperative is that within your shareholders, whatever your investment high or low is, you can only have a maximum of 10% that your voice is counting into decisions. So even if you are the biggest uh, shareholder and you have 80% of the shares, your voice will only count for a maximum of 10%. So this is one of those principles of being a recognized uh, cooperative. So this is this is on the level of the of the general uh, assembly then we have uh, our board of uh, directors the board of directors exists of course of uh, some stakeholders clients also of of Hefbom from several sectors we also have some um, representatives of our shareholders and to give you an idea we are also thinking about this uh, the changing of our governance uh, renewing our governance so in 2020, the General Assembly asked us to renew the board eh, and to take into account these principles, these principles of good governance by 2021. So by the end of the year, we should have a, a quite new board of uh, directors. Then once below the board of directors, we have management committee. It's quite small. There we have the general, our general manager, and he's also the head of our consultancy uh, department. Then you have the head of uh, accountancy back office and services that's my colleague and then you have a third person that's me as the head of uh, impact uh, finding so we have a quite small management committee and then everything is quite e uh, the same so there are not a lot of extra uh, levels in in within the organization as with the previous example from alternative bank switzerland this is so different to how a regular bank functions Piet explains how you as an individual can be involved in higher level decision making down to individual project level. An example of true democracy in banking. Other possibilities where we can use the participation of individuals, as I mentioned earlier, in the board. Eh? Uh, every board member, they do it for free, so it's not paid. But also, we within the financing activities, we also grant microcredits. Every entrepreneur who got a microcredit, we give them a coach. So they can ask questions to the coach about running their business. And that's also a network of volunteers uh, we have. So this is also a way to involve individu individuals in uh, the way we organize our uh, activities. So there are a lot of possibilities for individuals on board level, credit committees as a volunteer. Besides that, uh, we regularly also question shareholders. This is also a way, of course, to involve others in, in for example, our, our strategy. If we come to the level of participation for the team, for example, there is a lot of participation. Uh, last year, in 2020, we had a big discussion about our mission, our vision. This was normally, it's it's a, a task or, or a duty of the, of the board of directors. Uh, of course, it still is their responsibility responsibility to approve it and, and to install it, but it was not imposed by uh, the board of uh, directors or contrary. It was uh, organized within the organization, within the team. So really bottom, bottom up, we defined our mission, our vision. 
we translated it to a kind of strat strategy and also to specific strategic goals. So uh, that's also the way we try to to promote the team involvement and the team participation. Well, there we have it. In this episode, we have explained that for us as citizens, there are alternative options to invest our savings. These options can have a positive impact on the environment, society, and the overall democratic values of where we live. We've heard from Rico Travella of Alternative Bank Switzerland, Piet Callens of Hefboom, and Peru Sassia, president of Fabea, about the challenges and the ways that these ethical organizations can measure impact and why it's important. We've also heard how we as citizens can have a say in how our money is used by the banks. Again, in traditional banks, there is no such process. A lack of transparency means we can not only not have a say in where our money goes, but we will never know. And money is being invested into industries that are affecting our planet, damaging our society and restricting human rights. We need the values of the social economy and ethical banks to be absorbed by the banking sector. Now this can be done by encouraging citizens to switch to ethical banking. However, many challenges lie ahead. In the next and final episode of this mini-series, we discover the policy and awareness challenges that ethical banks face. And we will discover the truly worrying trend of social and greenwashing. We'll try to understand what that means and importantly, how ethical finance institutions can combat this. Join us next month and thank you for listening to Finance for Good and Social Economy Talks.